We the people. Four score and I seven. have a dream. Ask what you tear down this wall. Which will live in infamy. Read my lips. Welcome to Civic Symphony. In this episode, we're going to examine the role that mass media plays in politics and the role it has played historically in covering political events. The idea of mass media has changed over the years as the country has developed. What originally started as newspapers and flyers has now progressed through radio and television to the modern day Internet. And this progression has changed the way people get their information and also the perspective that people uh, have on different events. Um, again, there's basically several types of mass media. Uh, it can be newspapers. It can be magazines. It can be letters. It can be books. But the let's say the the written word of, of uh Mass media is now starting to dwindle away as the Internet and television and particularly uh, cable outlets have become the dominant factor in covering events. Originally, the job of the mass media was to be watchdogs or to be gatekeepers. Their, their job was to cover the events and report the events factually so that other people could could read about it and then make up their own mind about what had occurred. Now, from the very beginning of the country, however, mass media used its power to frame events. And some of the early examples of this come from the American Revolution. Uh, for example, in newspapers, the, the British were always pictured as the oppressors, as the ones that were clamping down on democracy, that were clamping down on the rights of the colonists, which, which was true. And the forefathers were always picked, pictured as patriots who were trying to establish a democratic government, who were trying to uh, establish liberty and the idea of this new type of institution. And so when the, an event like the Boston Massacre uh, happened, the way it was reported in the newspaper and the picture that was created by Paul Revere overemphasized what had occurred. Yes, there were British soldiers who killed innocent civilians. However, those soldiers were surrounded by a mob in downtown Boston with their backs to the courthouse and were being pelted by snowballs and rocks. And that the event, again, was pictured as these British soldiers simply walking down the street and wiping out civilians. Paul Revere's engraving also pictured it that way in the newspaper. So immediately you have this framing of an event that gave the idea of good guys and bad guys. And in history, uh, we've always said this, with a few exceptions, that there really isn't such a thing as good or bad. It's People are complicated individuals. And they bring both sides to the table. So the, the mass media has the power, however, to create a picture of a person or event in the framework they want. And what has occurred over time is as the Internet has become bigger and bigger and you've had the, the, the flourishing of channels like CNN and Fox News and MSNBC and Newsmax, the ability to frame certain events or to frame certain people in ways has grown and grown and grown to the point that you have a split in America when an event occurs. Now, you will hear people like Don Lemon on CNN talk about how one group of people is living in reality and the other people uh, are, are not living in reality. That's simply not true. 
The other thing is this. Don Lemon is not a journalist. Don Lemon is a, a political commentator, and that's fine. It is fine to have political commentators. In fact, they've always been there. But don't sell yourself as one thing and be another. And this also occurs on Fox News, on MSNBC, on Newsmax. You have so-called journalists who are supposed to report the facts and simply let people decide who have become political commentators who take a vent and immediately say, well, this is how it happened. This is why it happened. And oh, by the way, here are some buddies of mine that are going to come on and tell you that I'm right. And so mass media has grown into that type of institution where you rarely have journalists who simply go, here's the events. These are the facts. You decide for yourself what has occurred. So in this episode, we're going to uh, we're going to talk about some newspapers that had a swing in political elections. We're also going to listen to some clips, some radio clips and some television clips of, of events that have occurred and how the media covered those. And then we're, we're going to wrap up by talking about where this is heading, the division that is occurring in the United States and the fact that mass media is going to determine in a lot of ways where that division ends and what kind of political creatures exist in the future of the United States. Mass media today basically creates political candidates. They determine in a lot of ways who gets to run for the office, who is eliminated early on, and they do it in some very subtle ways. For for example, and most people don't think about this when they're listening to a debate, but one, the type of question that's being asked, and two, when you have a lot of people on the debate stage, who gets asked the question? So if there's a let, – let's say that someone is very strong on uh, domestic policy and the media really is not in favor of this candidate. It doesn't think this candidate deserves uh, the same amount of time as other candidates. They will not give that particular question to candidate A who is strong on domestic policy. Instead, they will give it to a different a candidate to answer, and then candidate A may have a very short time to try and squeeze in his answer, even though he is much more knowledgeable on domestic policy. So it's the type of question, it's who asks the question, it's also uh, what channel or what uh, moderator is is chosen to moderate those debates and how far they let certain things go. For example, if you're given a minute to answer and you go beyond a minute, does that commentator cut the answer off or does he let it go to the, to the candidate makes their point? That type of action has determined a lot of times which candidates end up being able to run for office and which candidates are eliminated early on in the, the presidential primaries. It also, again, we've talked about this on this this podcast, it also eliminates a lot of third-party candidates because they're not invited to the debate stage. So here again is mass media determining who gets to be on that stage. And so what has occurred over time, and basically this is the way it always is except for independence, you're going to have Democrats and Republicans on the debate stage, both in the primaries and in the general election, and you're not going to see the Green Party, and you're not going to see the Constitutional Party, and you're not going to see the Libertarian Party, because the mass media has determined who should be on the stage and who shouldn't. They also have determined what type of questions are going to be asked, 
and the the specific time the debate's going to be held, which is also important because a debate occurring on a Tuesday night is much different than a debate occurring on a Friday night. And again, it's the mass media that gets to determine that. And the length of the debate is also determined by the mass media. So a lot of people will tell you that the whole, the, the whole object uh, or the whole idea of running for government now or for politics, I'm sorry, is become a game. That, and in fact, this is true. You have candidates that have handlers. They will prepare them for certain questions they know are coming. They will prepare the answers ahead of time. And you can really watch this in debates. If you see a candidate type to, uh, start to struggle with an answer, because what has occurred is this. They have been given a question that they were not ready for on a subject they were not ready for or in a way that, that they were not ready to have that question framed. When a candidate is typically very smooth and has their answer exactly ready, they knew that that question was coming or at least a question like that was coming. So handlers have now prepared candidates and you really a lot of times don't get what the candidate truly believes. You get an answer that is prepared by a handler. And a lot of people tell you that if Abraham Lincoln was running for president today, he wouldn't be elected. Uh, he would not have appeared well on television which is very important today. His voice would not have radiated very well on radio and television. And his physical appearance is not what you expect out of a typical, typical candidate. So all of that may have prohibited from one of the greatest presidents of all time from being elected or even being on the stage. And that is how visual mass media has changed political elections. Now, we're going to come back. During the break, you're going to hear the actual recording from the first ever presidential debate between John F. Kennedy and Richard Nixon. You'll hear the beginning of it, get you an, uh, give you an idea of how it was set up. And then we'll come back and talk about some other events that were covered by the media. We'll see how they were covered. And we'll talk about how they actually changed presidential elections. We'll be right back. Good evening. The television and radio stations of the United States and their affiliated stations are proud to provide facilities for a discussion of issues in the current political campaign by the two major candidates for the presidency. The candidates need no introduction. The Republican candidate, Vice President Richard M. Nixon, and the Democratic candidate, Senator John F. Kennedy. According to rules set by the candidates themselves, each man shall make an opening statement of approximately eight minutes duration and a closing statement of approximately three minutes duration. In between, the candidates will answer or comment upon answers to questions put by a panel of correspondents. In this, the first discussion in a series of four joint appearances, the subject matter has been agreed will be restricted to internal or domestic American matters. So let's look at a couple of events that occurred uh, while running, someone was running for presidency and the way those events actually cha changed uh, the campaign and may have altered who won the presidency. The first one involves Ronald Reagan um, when, when he was running and was in the process of doing a debate. And the moderator did not like some of the things that Reagan was saying. And so he asked that Reagan's mic be turned off. And what became one of the signature moments for Ronald Reagan 
is when he reminded the moderator that he was paying for that microphone, that he was running for the office and he was paying for the microphone because he was in a debate. And what it did was picture or give the, the image of Reagan as a very strong individual that could be a strong leader that held his position and that it was a springboard into him winning the 1980 presidential election and then winning the 1984 presidential election. And now a little historical context uh, in, in case uh, people don't know this. Ronald Reagan won the 1984 presidential election, 49 states to one. It is the closest anyone has ever come to George Washington's unanimously being elected. And a lot of people will tell you, a lot of historians will point back to the clip we're going to play where he reminded the moderator again that it was his microphone and that he was there for the debate and no one was really worried about what the moderator was saying. Is this on? Mr. Green, would you turn on the microphone? You asked for me if you would... I am paying for this microphone, Mr. Green. A little apologies there for the sound, but again, you're dealing with equipment back in 1980, uh, which is not up to today's standards in terms of recording. And, and so you got the basic idea there of what Reagan was saying, and you also got that feeling of leadership and again, sticking up for his values. Now, the next clip we're going to listen to is also from the 80s. It occurs with George Bush in an interview with Dan Rather on CBS News in which in George Bush's mind, he has been brought on to talk about his political campaign. And in Dan Rather's mind, it was a chance to ask uh, Bush about some events that had occurred uh, that, that he, as a, a journalist, wanted answers to. And what finally happened is that George Bush had, had enough about being judged and asked Dan Rather what would he feel like if, if he was judged on the fact that he had walked off uh, or had, had walked off the set at CBS News. Now, if you don't know the story behind that, Dan Rather got mad one time about the fact that his his segment was going to be pushed back for an event occurring on CBS, and he walked off the set of CBS News, and it always gave him this kind of black mark for the rest of his career that he was supposed to be a professional journalist and got, and got upset over that. And George Bush reminded him of that, and what this did was it sparked the next day in the Bush campaign a huge flow of donation money and a change of image, and George Bush would go on to win the 1988 presidential election. I find this to be a rehash and a little bit, if you'll excuse me, a misrepresentation on the part of CBS who said you're doing political profiles on all the candidates and then you come up with something that has been exhaustively looked into. It's not fair to judge my whole career by a rehash on Iran. How would you like it if I judge your career by those seven minutes when you walked off the set in New York? Now, perhaps one of the most famous uh, newspaper events, which actually was covered in the newspaper. We don't have, there's no radio of it. But this involved Thomas Dewey and Harry Truman and the, and the election of president. Um, 
and it involves a newspaper headline in which on the West Coast, uh, they had called the election. I'm sorry. They had called the election for Tommy Thomas Dewey uh, before the West Coast had come in. And so there's a newspaper headline where it says Dewey wins presidency. But in fact, Harry Truman ended up winning the presidency because as the votes came in from the West Coast, he got the electoral votes and he he became the president. And there's a famous picture of him actually holding up the newspaper where Dewey had been declared the new president. And so th- there was a case where the mass media got it wrong. This is one of the reasons also that they delay in modern day times reporting the results from the the, the uh, eastern states that they want the polls of the or the the. Yeah, the polls in the West, I'm sorry, to close before before the, the results are reported because they don't want those results uh, influencing the people out West. So what they do is they delay the results and uh, keep that confidential until the Western states finish voting. So, for example, if if someone, let's say a presidential candidate won Texas, then some people out west might say, well, he's won Texas. There's no reason for me to go vote because this thing's already over. So they have purposely kind of staggered when they report uh, the states coming in. And also, if you pay attention, they will always talk about, well, this is a projection because it's based on exit polls and, and things like that. So it's only a projection. But again, they like for the networks to hold that so it doesn't influence other voters across the nation. Okay, we're going to come back and we'll do a weird law and then we're going to wrap it up. Okay, so before we get to weird laws, a a correction that I need to make from the last episode that was pointed out to me, I mistakenly said that the St. Louis Arch was a memorial. Obviously, it was not a memorial. Uh, It was put up to celebrate the the, uh, expansion westward of the United States. And again, I apologize because I did say that it was a memorial, and obviously it's not. Okay, the weird law for today comes from Iowa, and it prohibits imitation butter from being called butter, or using the words to describe it as either butter, creamier, or dairy. If it is margarine, it must be marketed as margarine. Now, obviously, what is going on here is that you have had uh, dairy farmers, uh, people that produce butter, who don't want their product confused with a, a, a imitation butter and have put this through to basically preserve um, what they do, to preserve their uh, the, the idea that they only produce real butter. And so if you're buying, quote, butter, you truly are buying a butter and not some type of imitation. And so you see a lot of laws like this in states where you have special interest groups that are pushing to preserve whatever it is they are producing. That's going to wrap up this episode of Civic Symphony. Uh, Hopefully you got an idea of how the mass media works and you got an idea of what to look for when they're covering events and the different angles that uh, either newspapers or television or the Internet take when they cover those events. If you have a question, please feel free to send it. Or if you have a comment, as always, good or bad, feel free to send that. We do have a Facebook. It's at Civic Symphony Podcast. Uh, 
And if you want to visit us there and send a comment, we'd be welcome to that. Next time, we're going to do something a little bit different on Civic Symphony. We're going to actually look at flags, historical flags of the United States and the role that they have played in forming the country. Thank you for listening, and hopefully you will join us again. And remember, democracy only works when your voice is heard. She'll make so it's heard. Thank you.